Hey, this is David Merrill, pastor of the Well Church. I would like to first thank you for downloading the app and listening to what God is doing through the life and ministry of the Well Church. I would also ask that before you listen to this message, that you would pray that God not only continues to transform lives through this ministry, but also that as you hear the word of God proclaimed, pray that the Holy Spirit will convict you in areas that your life has not been given over to God, empower you to repent and turn, but also embolden you to be doers of the word and not simply hearers, in order that you become a light in your homes, in your schools, in your workplaces, and even in your local church body. Let us be radically in love with Jesus and radically in love with his people. Once again, I just thank you for listening, and may God bless you abundantly. Okay, so last week we kind of dove into um, this topic of Jesus being the high priest. And so Jesus is the high priest. Jesus is, um, let me find it here. There we go. Okay. Uh, Jesus is the high priest. And, and what we saw last week was that there was qualifications that needed to be met, that Jesus could not be high priest because we just decided he was high priest. Like we can't just say, Jesus is high priest. He is our high priest. We just, as a, as a church, as a global church, we determine who our high priest is, and that's Jesus. Now, what we saw was that the requi- there were re- requirements for the high priest that Jesus had to meet in order to even be qualified for this position. And what the author of Hebrews showed us was that the, the, the high priest must be chosen by God from amongst men, that he had to be of the, of the tribe of mankind. He could not be an angel. He could not be a spiritual being, and nor could Jesus even be Jesus in his full glory in the past. Like, he had to actually be chosen from amongst men and chosen by God, and we saw how Jesus was met those qualifications, but even a step further because we learned that only the Leviticus, only Levit- Leviticus, only the Levites um, were able, we qualified to be priests, right? It was Aaron's tribe, that you could actually be a priest. You cannot be a priest outside of any other tribe. And so Jesus, there's a problem. Jesus is of the tribe of Judah, of David. Okay, so he cannot be a priest of the tribe of Levi. And so the author shows us, no, he is not of the priesthood of Levi, but he is of a greater priesthood, the the tribe or the priesthood of Melchizedek, who is a greater priest than Aaron was, who has an everlasting priesthood. He was the priesthood of God, as, as Hebrews says. And so Jesus is fully qualified. He fully sympathizes with our hurts, our desires, our brokennesses, our pains. Jesus is qualified. He's able to sympathize with you fully as your high priest, which was the second qualification, right? You had to be able to sympathize with the people that you represent. And the third qualification was he had to make an offering for his people. And so the high priest was seen as one who made the offerings, the sacrifices, the all of the things in the, high, in the temple. Jesus Jesus had to do this, and we saw that he made a, um, a more than substantial, uh, he made a greater sacrifice and offering than the high priesthood because Jesus not only was a perfect high priest, but he became literally the perfect sacrifice. So Jesus was our high priest. Now, what's interesting is that the author decides he's going to take a second and take a break. Okay? Now, he is not done with the priesthood. 
The author's not done. He's going to go on and talk about the priesthood. He's got a lot to talk about when it comes to Jesus being the high priest. The next four chapters are going to be about Jesus being the high priest. But before he can go on another second, the author has to make a strong warning for these people, for these listeners. He's got to make an exhortation. And, and so the tail end of what we read last week, this is what it says. Verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 11, it said, we just read it. We have a great deal to say about this. So what's about this? About Jesus and the high priesthood. He said, but it's difficult to explain since you have become too lazy to understand. So the author is saying, look, we've got a lot. We just, we just scratching the surface on, on the priesthood of Jesus. Like we're not done. Like, we got so much to talk about when it comes to the priesthood of Jesus. He said, but the problem is, is that it's too difficult to explain. He said, I need to talk a lot about the priesthood and Melchizedek. And he said, but it's too difficult for me to explain it to you right now. So the question is, is why was it hard to explain? And was the author like fumbling over words and saying, man, it's just too deep. Like, it's just the deep truth that I don't know how to, I don't have the words to tell you what it's like. like I'm going to try to explain it to you, but it's too difficult to explain it to you. But I, I don't know. I'm going to try to go in as much as I can. No, it, it had nothing to do with the depth of how, the, how deep this truth is. The author says it is difficult to understand or to explain because y'all become too lazy. To understand this truth. You don't have the mature minds, the mature ears, the mature, the mature hearts to grasp this concept. And the, true, the, the truth is, this is a common reoccurring theme in the book of Hebrews, is that this idea of lacking maturity, of lacking spiritual growth. And what this section assumes, what this section assumes is that each believer has a responsibility to know and to grow in the truth of Scripture. Every believer has a responsibility to actually know the truths of Scripture and to grow in Scripture. And yet, a lot of times, we look at the Bible and we blame our biblical ignorance on the fact that we somehow, we're just not smart enough, right? Like, I didn't go to school. That's why they pay David to do that, right? He goes to school. He learns. I learned the secret code to, to cracking the Bible, right? They only give it to people who go to school. And so I got the code. I know how to read the Bible. And the rest of us, we're just not, God hasn't given us that wisdom, that maturity, or God hasn't enlightened us in some way. And so I can't understand the scripture. So the reason why I'm ignorant in scripture is because of my own inabilities, my own intellect. And the Bible says, no, the reason why you are ignorant of scripture is because of your laziness, because of your negligence is what the scripture says. This is harsh words. The author is saying that your ignorance is your own fault. It's our own fault. It's my fault. My ignorance is my fault. They became intellectually dull of hearing, of sluggish in the heart. And he goes on to explain in verse 12. Listen to what he says. He says, although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Now, everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is 
an infant. So the author says, okay, the biggest issue here is this maturing and growing. He says, every one of you by now, he says, you should be teachers. Now, when he's talking about teachers, he's not talking about uh, this idea of official platform. Like every one of y'all should be preachers right now. If you've been a Christian for longer than four or five years, you should be teaching up on Sunday morning, or you should be teaching a small group, or you should be teaching a Bible study. He's not talking about an official platform of teaching. Why? Because the Bible says that teaching is a gift. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Not everybody has the gift of teaching. You know, so God has given me a gift of teaching, and so I take the Word of God, the truth of God, and I teach it. That's just my role. The Bible says in James, it says not everybody should become teachers. Because God judges you more strictly with what you say. And so there's that gifting. So the author's not saying every one of y'all should be preachers, teachers, you know, whatever, apostles. What he is saying is that he's this assumption, this knowledge that every single believer, there is a responsibility for discipleship. That every single person on in the church, every single one of you, that you have this ability and the responsibility to be taught in the, 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 in, the, in the words of God and then to be raised up in that. And then actually you have the responsibility to go teach others the basic principles of the doctrine of Christianity, the doctrines of your faith. Like, what did Jesus say? Remember Jesus? The, the, okay, Jesus, he lives, right? He's with his disciples. He's, he breathes. He's best friends with these dudes. Okay, these disciples watched Jesus be br- brutally beaten, right? Put on a cross. They watched it, okay? They saw the blood. They, they maybe even felt the blood, you know? They, they felt the drips. They saw him being just beaten, put on a cross. They watched him die. So this wasn't a scam for the disciples. They watched him die. They checked his pulse when they got him down from the cross. They buried him in a tomb. Jesus is dead. And then three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. I don't know. That doesn't happen very often. Okay? If it did, I would not have, I would not have my property next to a graveyard. It would depreciate in value. It just get weird, all right? Oh, that's, that was Hank. He was buried four days ago. He just, he's Roman. Just, it doesn't happen. Jesus rose from the dead, and he tells his disciples, I got one more command to give to you. One more. Now, I don't know about you. This is just simple-minded, David. If somebody raises from the dead and says, I got something to tell you, you better listen, right? Like I say, okay, all ears, whatever you say. And this is what Jesus said. This is the last thing he says to the disciples, the only command after he resurrected from the grave. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them all the things that I have taught you, that you have observed. And, and remember, I am with you always to the ends of the age. So Jesus says to his disciples, he says, look, we've been, we've been, this has been a great three years, all right? Y'all been learning from me. You've been, I taught you many things. It's been great. Time's up. You, you got three years to study. Go, all right? Three years is over. Baby, you're grown. Stop sucking on the milk. Go. Go teach. 
What Jesus is doing here is he's, he's the mama bird kicking out the baby. He ain't just, come on. No, he's kicking him. He's like, he's done. Go. Go make disciples. You know, well, that's easy with the disciples. They got three years with Jesus, right? I just got, I've been having two years with you. That's not much. Uh, you know, <laughs> they got Jesus. It's true. If y'all learned anything from me, I'm surprised. Um, they got three years of course. But think about this. Paul, Paul didn't get three years with Jesus. You know, Paul, he saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was met by Jesus. But then Paul went off to himself for three years to study under scriptures. And then when Paul was done after three years, three years kind of seems like the, 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 the kicker. I mean, I'm not saying there's a, a metho- methodology here, but I'm just saying, Paul, three years, Paul's making disciples. He's starting churches. Because he's not doing it in the power of Paul. He's not doing it in the wisdom of Paul. He learned the word of God and he trusts in the Holy Spirit and he goes and makes disciples. And this has been the model from the early church for the first 300 years of the church, from the church existence was raise them up. John raised up Polycarp. Polycarp was raised. Polycarp started churches. Polycarp started ministries. He taught other people. That was the methodology of the church was teach, raise, Teach, raise, disciple, discipleship, discipler, disciple. Right? That was the, but then happened, what happened in 300 AD? There was a man by the name of Constantine who became a believer. He was the Roman Empire, Roman Emperor at the time. And so Constantine said that all of Rome is going to be Christian now. We're all Christian. And what happened was now the church said, in other words, in basic, in basic English, all they said, what they said was, we got it from here. We got it from here. You know that whole, you know that, 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 that the priesthood of all believers where you guys go out and learn, you, you, you learn the word of God and you teach other people the word of God? Nah, you come to Papa. Come to Papa, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to take care of you. You know that idea, you go out and you baptize people. No, 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 no. You bring them here and we'll baptize them. That idea that you learn and you grow, that idea that, that you offer communion whenever this love feast, the Bible, Paul says, in all, wherever you're gathering, not just in church, when you're gathering at homes, the love feast, the communion feast, you guys doing it? No, 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 not anymore. We're going to do it here, only here. And so what was it stopped this movement of discipleship, discipling, and then going out to make disciples to now everybody, you come here and you can't even read the word of God because we're going to translate it into to Latin and you don't understand Latin. So you just got to trust us that we know what we're talking about and just listen to what we say. That's what's so beautiful about the Reformation, y'all. We can't forget that there's a beauty in the Reformation because in the Reformation, what Martin Luther and the, the, the leaders did was say, no, we need to get the word back to you so that we can learn and grow and, and, and be raised up in the faith and trained up in the faith so then we can go teach others the faith. We can go tell others about Jesus that we can in return raise others and each other. And now we... 500 years later, the average Christian has three Bibles in their, in their li- in the library. Three Bibles. Some of you are laughing because you've got like 30. I know. I collect them. There's nothing. I mean, I, me, and, me and Daniel were talking about There's nothing greater about like, like just having a new Bible where the pages are all stuck together. They smell, you know, and you don't even want to read it because like, oh, I don't, want to, I don't want to smell funny. And so we collect Bibles now. 
We have all these Bibles and we've reverted back to Roman Catholicism where we have the Bibles, but we'd rather come to church and let, let, let the David or let the pastor teach me what it is. I don't, I don't have the wisdom to be able to read it myself or dig in it to myself. I, I don't have that. And so some of us have been, some of us have been preached, or have been just Christians for 50, 40, 30, five years. Five years, and we have this mentality like I don't, I don't have enough knowledge to teach people the the wisdom of God. I don't have enough knowledge to teach. And let me just come to church and let David teach me, and let David tell me what it's like, and, and let 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 David do all the. And all, my job as a thirty year old Christian is just to go to go to church and go to work, and then invite people to church, and hopefully David will preach the right message that's going to hit them. You know, hopefully he'll preach that just because he's got one shot at this, right? One shot to convert. And if he doesn't hit them just perfectly, he's ruined it. He messed it up. This guy's going to be ruined forever because David had the one shot. He missed it. And and some of y'all, 30, 40 years, and you say, "I, I don't have enough wisdom to teach. And unfortunately, what author of Hebrews is saying is you're right. Unfortunately, some of y'all have been Christians for a long time and you still do not have the wisdom to teach. That you, you have been sitting at the fundamentals. The Bible says, author says here, you've been sitting at the funding, the basic principles of your faith. That you are still needing others to teach you. To teach you the basic principles. And in the next chapter, what we learn of these basic principles, the basic principle, chapter six, it says the basic principles are like repentance from the dead works, right? Repentance, like uh, the, our, our attitude towards faith in God, our doctrine of baptism, like uh, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment. And so the author's saying, man, some of y'all, 20 years in, I'm still having to teach you about justification through faith. I'm something to teach you how to re- about repentance and what does it mean to turn in your sin. And some of y'all, maybe, you know, you're new to this and you're like, I don't know what that means. That's okay because you're a baby when you're 30 years old in the faith. These kind of things, this basic stuff, and the author says, man, I came to bring you, to bring you meat. Uh, y'all, they're just, it's like you just want milk. Y'all just needing more and more milk. I wanted to bring you faith. I wanted to bring you meat. But you guys, you're just drinking this, this milk stuff. You can't, you can't hash it down, the meat. If I brought you a, a steak, y'all wouldn't know what to do. Y'all would just be sucking on the steak. Like, Is that good? How do, I, how do I eat the steak? How do I get this down? I mean, does this look weird? Looks about normal, man. This is what the author's saying. This is what the author, he's saying, man, y'all have been, I'm just, it's, it's kind of fun to. He said, this looks weird because some of y'all are 20 years old and this is what we do in the church. It's, come, come here, come here, little Harrison. Come to Dad, come on, baby, come on, baby, come on, come on, baby. Hey, hey, and open your mouth, open it up, open it up. Come on, come on, Don, Don, you want some milk? You want some milk? Come on, come here, baby. And, I, and the pastor gets up and he, he kind of just feeds you. Come here. And this is weird. It's not weird when you're one. It's weird when you're 20. 
You're going, you're so dependent on the bottle, the milk. I mean, I was even with my own girl who's like two and a half years old. I didn't realize that she didn't gra- She graduated from bottles, but she also gra- graduated from sippy cups. I didn't realize that because the other day I was, I was trying to uh, give her a drink. She's like, I want a drink. And I go grab a sippy cup. I mean, she's two and a half. I'm like, here. She gets so mad at me. She starts yelling, I'm not a baby. I'm a big girl. I don't need a baby cup. I'm like, I don't need another woman yelling at me. You better t- turn that attitude around. I need a boy, bad. Um, <laughs> but is that even my two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old is like, I'm not even, I'm not going to sip on a sippy cup. That's weird. I'm too old for that. I'm, so I'm a big girl. I'm not going to do that. I need, I need a big girl cup and these basic principles of the faith where now the pastor, we come to church and the pastor's job is like, come here, come here little chillings, okay? Sin is bad, okay? Sin's really bad. It's a no-no, okay? We don't sin. And, and listen, Jesus loves you. Jesus loved, he died for you, but you don't work for it, okay? You get it in grace. It's grace, okay? And, and come here, babies. And that's the model of the church. And people going to church for 20 years, 30 years, are going to church, and they get mad. Oh, the pastor didn't feed me today. He didn't feed me like I wanted to be fed. I don't like that pastor. I don't like the way that pastor feeds me. He doesn't chew it up just right. I want him to have some more fun, you know, funny stuff in there. Or he's too funny stuff. I want more like uh, you know, uh, apologetics. I want more. He, I want somebody to come up and just chew it up from spit it out a little birdie. I, I want somebody to feed it to me. He didn't feed me just right. Well, maybe the pastor needs to stop feeding you, get you off the teat, and give you a fork and a knife. So that you can eat the food and then you can teach others to eat the food. This is cute for only a season. Then it gets really weird really quickly. And that's what the author is saying here in Hebrews. He's saying, guys, I wanted to bring you meat. But I came back and I'm having to teach you the basic principles of the truth again because y'all are not growing in the faith. You're not, you're lazy, not pursuing the truth is what the author is telling these listeners. Man, you're just, you're, you're resting in the principles and you're not digging in. You're not wanting more. And here's the danger. This is what it says. It says you're unskilled in the word of righteousness. But contrast that, contrast that with verse 14 when he says, but the solid food is for the mature, for those who, are, uh, uh, who have... Um, Sense, sorry, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. And so here's the contrast. He says in 1 first, in first Corinthians, Paul tells us that, that mo- the meat is the spiritual depth. It's the, it's the spiritual truths that take time. You got to marinate them. You got to chew on them. You got you to wrestle with them. That's the meat. And, and so there's a truth that when you're maturing, you're able to marinate with, on the word of God, chew on the word of God, work on it, just bite it, and get into it, dig into it. You're not satisfied with, oh, I read it, I didn't understand it fully. Okay, I'm just going to keep going on because I'm not going to understand it. No, you're not satisfied with that. You're digging. You want more. You want to chew on it. You want to learn. You want to figure out what it means, and you're, you're chewing on the word of God. He said, but the unbeliever, or not the unbeliever, the, the immature 
They are unskilled in the word of righteousness, but the mature, they are able to discern and distinguish what is good and what is evil. This is the biggest issue. This is why it's so important for us to mature in the faith, y'all. Because if we're not maturing in the faith, you are not unable to discern the will of God in this world. You're unable to discern what is right and wrong. You know, what is your, if you are not maturing in the word of God, what are you resting? I've said this before and I'll say it again. I do not know how Christians operate in this world without being in the word of God. I don't, I don't understand it. Maybe I'm missing something or maybe I'm not missing something and you're not operating. You're not walking in the will of God. Because everything in this world is trying to pull us away from, from God. It's trying to, it's everything in this world is trying to, from, from Hollywood, every movie has a narrative that they're trying to spin on you. Politics, it's all, you know, everything's trying to pull you away from the kingdom living, the kingdom truth. It is all of this pulling your flesh. So what is your deciding factor of what is right? Is it your flesh? You know, what feels good? I mean, that must be God, right? It feels good. And we've learned very, you know, so often, I preach this, we've learned that the flesh is corrupt. The flesh wants the world, right? So your flesh cannot be a deciding factor on what is true and what is God because your flesh will always want the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of the, your flesh is always going to want it. So then what else is it? Is it the heart? You know, just trust your heart. Like that's a, if you trust your heart, you will not go astray. I mean, that's the model, right? Like, just trust, you know, trust your heart. You love him. Does your heart get flutteries? He's right for you then. Like, if you really, if your heart is leaning towards him, he is the perfect one. Forget all that other stuff. Your heart is, it can't lie to you. Yeah, he's cheating on you. Don't worry about it. Your heart loves him. The Bible says, Jeremiah says, that your heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately sick. It is who, and he says, who can understand it? Jesus says, from the heart came evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery. God told the people after, just after uh, he flooded the earth, and so all that's left is Noah and his family. God said, he, after Noah gets, gets, gets wasted and streaks, he's like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Y'all are all wicked from birth, all right? That's what he says. He says, y'all's hearts are just wicked. I, I try to do it by flooding you. I can't, okay? I can't get rid of your wickedness. I'm going to have to do it through Jesus because y'all are messed up. That's not really what he says, but... Fair fry. That's the... So what do we rest on? We can't rest on your flesh. You can't rest on your heart. Well, some of us will say, well, we rest on our mind, right? Logic and reason. And here's the divide, right? There's some of us that we, because we're more logical and rational and reasonable, you know, I, I, I tend to lean more logically. I don't get caught up in emotions. I get caught up. I'm like, does it logically make sense? Does it rationally make sense? And so let's wrestle that. And, and so that's where I lean to. But the problem is, is if you are resting on your mind and logic and reason, but your, the Bible says that if you are not being transformed by the renewing of your mind of the word of God, then you are being conformed by this world, which means that your logic and your ration and your reason is all rooted in that which is logical and rational according to the world. 
And so you're never going to be one that steps out on faith because it is illogical to step out on faith because it is illogical to give up your possessions to go chase after Jesus. It's illogical to move when everything says this doesn't make sense. It's illogical to... to, uh, start ministry when you don't have the proper resources. It was illogical to start this church when I only had six people that have said, I'll follow you. I'm like, y'all are crazy. It's illogical according to the world. And if that is where our minds are, then you're not, the reason and logic are only going to get you to disobedience to faith, disobedience to God. But if our minds are on the word of truth, guys, I said it, I don't know how we operate. If your mind is not diving into the word, if you're not maturing in the word of God and renewing your mind so your eyes, so that what we start to see in this world is this biblical worldview and we're able to discern logically and rationally through the word of God, what is the will of God? So many of us wander around this world, God, I just don't know your will for me. I don't know your life for me. I don't know what you want me to do. Well, he tells us what he wants us to do. He gives us this in his word, but some of us, we just want this mystical experience. Like, I just hope that I walk through Walmart one day, and then there's a burning bush in the center aisle. Like, I just, I want that experience. Where's that? Because God tells us his will, and he calls us to mature and grow in it and be strengthened in it so that you, in return, can strengthen somebody else. This is not just for you. This isn't just for me. It's you are strengthened, you mature. And here's the thing, three years. Okay, that's, and then that's not like a requirement. Some of y'all are like a year in and you're, I love watching. Some of y'all have been Christians for a while and, and you, you were kind of like this. You, you, you never were growing. You just were in the word of God. You just stayed at the basic principles. But I'm watching you now and like the word of God is coming to life in you and you're studying it and you're loving it and you're excited. You're like, I love watching you guys get excited about the Word of God. And you've just started. And you've been Christians for 20 years, 30 years. You just started. That's exciting. It's so fun to watch you come to life because the Word is living. It's breathing. It gives me joy because I know. And so I'm not saying that three years is the cap. I'm saying three years. If you're, if you're past three years, I'm just going to kick you off just myself, okay? I'm going to give you a decide. I'm going to give you somebody. And say, here, here you go. Here's, the other, here's who you're going to raise. You're going to train. And this is going to be weird. This is awkward, y'all. Some of you older people, you've been Christians and you're mature and you've been studying. It's weird. Our church method in the American church, once again, it's this idea. We come, I feed. It's like a hog trough. I just like, come here, piggy. And it's like, y'all eat, and then you go home. It's a weird model that we do. So this is going to take intentionality. It's going to take intentionality. It's going to take our, our older who are more mature. And this is not age, y'all. This is not maturity of age. This is maturity of wisdom. So you could be 18 and been studying the Word of God for six years and be smarter, be wiser and much more mature in the Word of God than somebody who's 60 years old and maybe even under the roof but never studied the book. Okay? This is maturity in, in, in your word of God. So what I'm talking about, it may take some of us who are more mature to step out of our comfort zone and say, hey, I, I, want, to, I want to meet with you once a week. And if they say no, just say, sorry, I already said it. <laughs> I claim you, all right? Mine. You know, if they say no, tell them, tell me, and, and then I'll get on to them, okay? Okay. Um, it may take some of you younger who are hungry 
You want to grow, and there's some truth that you're like, I just don't understand, and David doesn't ever hit it on a Sunday morning, so I need somebody to teach me this stuff. So you go after somebody you know is wiser and say, hey, I just want to meet with you once a week. Okay? And so it's going to take some uncomfortable conversations, getting people's... I know it's weird as a church, as a family, it's weird to talk to each other, but um, let's try it. Older, younger, getting to know each other, loving on each other, discipling each other. Because that's ultimately the Bible, right? That's what we're called to do. That's the church body. But I just, I, you know, there, it's so easy. And that's really, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to end this. I didn't really decide how I was going to end this. But um, it's so easy for us to think that we are operating in the will of God when, in fact, we're just operating in religion or we're operating in good citizenship. We talked about that last week. Just being a good citizen and operating in religion does not mean that you're operating in the will of God. And, and hear this. this may, some of y'all may need to hear this. This may shock some of y'all, but I need to say it. Being a Republican doesn't mean you're operating in the will of God. Some of y'all I've talked to, and man, that is because you are, you're going to get up to the pearly gates and you're going to say, how'd you get here? I was a Republican. That's what you think you're going to tell Jesus. <laughs> Listen to me. I was thinking about this this week. You know, during this whole thing with, with Trump and um, Biden, how many of us were uh, laughing when Joe Biden was being called nicknames and dehumanized? How many of us were joining in and saying, oh, Sleepy Joe, there he goes again. How many of us were, were cheering on the fact that this young man, his son, was drug addicted? Yeah, maybe he did some, some stuff, we don't know. But he's hurting, and the whole family is hurting, and we were cheering it on. Unaffected by the fact that somebody's life Another life has been taken by drugs and, and abuse, and we don't know what's going on. But how many of us were even praying for Hunter Biden, rather cheering on? You know, and if you fall on the other side of the camp, well, everybody's been attacking their president. Were you standing up and saying, no, this is my president. I will pray for him. And where what God's will is, God's will will be done, but I will not stand against, I will not speak against God's anointed. Amen. Yes. Do you remember David? Like some of us need to take our cues from David, right? David, this is the fool that he, I don't know why I said fool, when he was being chased down by Saul. God took his anointing off of Saul and placed it on David. David was the anointed one, but Saul was still king. He was still, he was still in charge. And, every, and, and he was being chased by Saul, trying to kill, be killed by Saul. And he was running and had opportunity after. One time Saul was there taking a poop. There's, there's David with a knife, gets close to him. It says this, okay, this is about, he could have stabbed him, but David just cut the edge of his robe. That's, a, you know, and cuts the edge of his robe, steps back. Saul's finished relieving himself, walks out there. And David says, hey, could have stabbed you. What a way to go. And Saul repents, but 
the people look at David, his, his guards look at David and say, do you want me to, he, he doesn't see us, I can stab him just once. Just let me stab him one time. That's all it's going to take, one time. And David's like, are you serious? Are you kidding me? That's God's anointed. You don't speak about God's, God's God took off the anointing. But God placed Saul in that position. And it wasn't about the anointing of God, that God has a special anointing over Saul at that moment. The anointing was God put him in position of power and authority. And David said, I ain't going to speak against the anointing. I ain't going to hurt the anointing. I'm not going to come against the anointing. He's in charge. God's placed them there. And I say all that. I don't know why I got on that tangent. But I say all that to say this. If we are resting on our logic and reason or our emotions and our heart, then we will so easily get caught up in the environment and think that we're walking in the will of God because of logic and reason. Meanwhile, we're jumping into this politics from the worldly perspective. We are doing God's work by being social justice warriors, even though the social justice warriors are everything anti-God. Well, we're trying to do God's work the world's way, and it's going to breed destruction and breed harm. You see, when we are not getting our cues of good and evil from the word of God, and we're doing it from the world, the, the world, we're going to be easily deceived, even though it looks right, even though it looks good. So I want to challenge us. No matter where you are in your faith, if you're right here, you're starting off today, and you've been 30 years. I'm not saying if you've been here for 30 years as a Christian for 30 years, and you're still an infant, that tomorrow you need to grow up and eat meat. Okay? No, that would kill you. Okay? And if I just gave my my one-year-old, a big slab of steak, she might choke. So I'm, what I'm saying is, okay, you have been, we recognize that, but it's time to start growing. It's time to start maturing. It's time to start at least testing the fork and knife and picking up, you know. I'm giving my one-year-old a fork and knife. She doesn't know how to use them. She hits daddy with them, but, you know, she's learning mashed potatoes. I mean, she, she's a good eater, man. That girl. I give her, I'm not in the line. If I give her a steak today, not even cut up, she'd be chawing on that. She'd, it'd be gone in, in, in 30 seconds. Um, she eats like her mama. Um, but it's time, guys. It's time, it's time for us to grow. It's time for us to mature. It's time for us to be in love with the Word of God. And to chase after the riches that God's word has for us. And knowing that it's not just because it's time for you, but there are other people that need you. Your, your co-workers who don't know the will of God, don't know the word of God, don't know God himself. He, they don't need somebody to coach them. Hey, you need to come check out my church. You know, if that's where you are right now, that's fine. But let's get past, hey, you need to come check out uh, Pastor David preach. But rather, let me tell you about Jesus. I mean, here's a great community that you could jump, be a part of, but let me tell you about Jesus. Let me take, teach you the basic principles. So let's pray. Like I said, I don't have anything to, profound to end on, but that's, that's the word. It's profound. Father, we thank you. Um, Jesus, I pray for this body. I pray for myself as well, that we all can continue to grow in maturity. We never get to a place where we are mature. We never get to a place where we are just done. We're done maturing. That's just not how this works. And so every one of us in this room, whether we have been a Christian for 30, 40 years, or five 
years, and we have been studying the Word for 20 years, no matter where we are, maturity-wise, in our faith, we are not done. So, Father, I pray for just this continual growth. I pray for this desire in this body that we become a people who want your word, that we're not lazy, that we chase after your word, that we open your book and we just, we, we're hungry for it. We like, as, as Peter says, we're like the new, the infant, the, the newborn baby longing for food. We just desire this word. We just want more and more of more of it. Father, give this church, give this body a hunger and a thirst for your truth. And Father, as you say in James, that if you ask, that if we ask and pray for wisdom, that you will give us wisdom. So Father, I pray for our church. Give us wisdom as we are walking in your, in your word. Give us discernment to know your truth and allow us to apply all the things that we see your truth in this word. Allow us to apply that to our lives so we can taste and see and know that you are good. We love you, Jesus. We give you all the glory. Amen.